Robert Sapp here. Tonight I thought we would go to Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 19. I've actually had a podcast on this before, but it's a little different way of looking at it, I guess you could say. Uh, Tonight's podcast title, if I had to use one, would be The Haves and the Have-Nots. And I'm not talking materially. Verse 19 of Luke chapter 16. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that the which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from them unto the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. We see in this scripture of, in the New Testament, Jesus talking. We see in the scripture of a rich man who had everything he wanted materially here on this earth. And we see a beggar that was just, wanting to be fed from the crumbs which fell off of the rich man's table. And he was poor. He sat at the, or laid at the gate of the rich man's house, just wanting somebody to take care of him. And both men passed away. One went to Abraham's bosom, upper Sheol, paradise. The other went to hell. There was no time lack here. There was no no distance. There was no time separation. They died. They lifted up their eyes. One was in paradise. The other one was in hell. And I call it paradise because on the cross of Calvary, the man on the left and the man on the right was reviling Christ. And the one said, remember me. He understood that Jesus was innocent. And he said, remember me. And he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So that's the reason why I'm calling Abraham's bosom, or upper Sheol, I'm calling it paradise in this podcast tonight. 
We see the rich man, he was in hell, and he didn't even have water. I've often heard people say, oh, I'll just dig out of hell. There's no digging out of hell. There's no partying in hell. There's no nothing. There's flames and there's torments. He said, And I cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I, he wasn't even asking for a full glass of water. He was just asking to have his tongue cooled. For I am tormented in this flame. On this earth, he was the halves. He had everything he wanted. He was rich. He could buy anything he wanted. He could eat whatever he wanted. He could be wherever he wanted. He was dressed in purple and fine linen. Now, purple was more expensive than gold in a lot of places. The purple dye came from the sea. It came from Mollusk. And they would take, and there's just a little bit of the purple dye or the thing that causes the purple dye. There's just a little bit into the mullocks. And they would, they would take and they would harvest these. And that's the reason why it was so expensive. And fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day, or he ate very well every day. I can tell you that I have been truly blessed. In my lifetime, I came from, I came from a poor section of the mountains in I never went to bed hungry, never had to, to lay my head on a rock or anything. I always had a bed to sleep in, a roof over my head. So I have been blessed tremendously. I wouldn't say that I was, you know, I was one of the haves because my family was very poor, but I have been blessed by the Lord. I was never like Lazarus. I, I never laid at a gate full of sores and never begged for crumbs. But we see that also. And we see this in our day-to-day -day activities. In our world today, we see these very same things. We, we see those that have all of the money that they could ever ask for. And then we, we see the homeless. And we see the poor. And we see those that are, you know, trying to make it but, but can't. Now, some, I will admit, some doesn't try. They believe that it's better for them to you know to to beg than to work and I'm not talking about those individuals and I'm not even talking about materially okay we see we see the combination here we see the comparison of the rich man and the poor man but what was the real comparison what was the real difference between the two one had Christ and one didn't the rich man and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, if you're rich, if you've got millions or billions, or even if you're the first Amer world trillionaire, that, you know, you can't be saved. You can, because he, God, is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care what's in your bank account. He cares what's in your heart. So rich people can be saved just as poor people can. I will say, though, that for the rich people and for people in my situation where, you know, I've, I've never wanted, I've never, I won't say I've never wanted, but I've never needed anything. I've always had what I needed. I had food. I've had clothing. I've had, you know, roof over my head. So I've always had these things. It's sometimes harder to get those people convinced and people like me convinced that they need Christ because, hey, I've done well without him. I don't need him. But where are you going to spend your eternity at? That's the important question here. Where are you going to spend your eternity? 
You may have everything in this world, but if you die without Christ, you're going to hell. And then your money is not going to go with you. Your fame, your popularity will not go with you. You may be poor. You may have to beg. You may not have a roof over your head. You may have, you know, to beg your food. But if you die and you go and you have Jesus in your heart, you're going to heaven. It's that simple. The comparison and the difference between these two, the rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and ate whatever he wanted to, and the beggar wasn't the money. It wasn't the palace. It wasn't the gate. It wasn't the clothes. It wasn't the food. It was Jesus. Now you say, well, how can this be? Because, you know, this was while Jesus, Jesus is telling this. So how can the, the rich man not have Jesus and the poor man have Jesus? Well, back then, one was a follower of God and the other one wasn't. Once Christ went to the cross of Calvary, we became a follower of Christ, or we don't. And it's real simple. It's real easy. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take wealth. It doesn't take popularity. What it takes is a, is a broken spirit, a contrite heart that says, you know, I can't do this by myself. And even if you think you have, you haven't. I am in a very good position, career-wise, physically. I'm in a very good position. But I didn't do this. It wasn't me. If you know me personally, you'll know that, yeah, it, it does seem to come easy. But it's not because of me, it's because of Christ. Yeah, I have my bad days, I have my stressful times. But I, my brother asked me one time, said, uh, you've got a pretty stressful job. I work in a major utility company and I'm an environmental specialist. And you can imagine with all the rules and regulations that are about water and air and waste, well, I deal with a lot of that on a day-by-day -day basis. I'm on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And yeah, sometimes it does get stressful. My brother asked me, he said, how do you deal with the stress? And I told him instead of climbing into a bottle, I climb into my Bible. I'm not saying my brother climbs into a bottle, he doesn't drink. but I go to the scriptures, I read the scriptures, I learn something, I'm doing, I am trying to pick up knowledge about the Lord, and I'm trying to get closer to Him each and every day. That's just the way I deal with, with life, and that's the way I deal with stress. I don't know how you do it, but I'm telling you, if you're not looking towards heaven, if you're not lifting up your eyes into which your help comes from, you're going about it the wrong way. Lazarus, he understood, just as David did. David, Psalms 23, For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David understood that he couldn't do it without God. This beggar understood he couldn't do it without God. He didn't blame God for his circumstance, but he knew where he was going when he died. The rich man had no cares. He had no worries. Other scriptures tells us that there was, a, I'm going to use my own words if you don't mind, there was a farmer 
and when he realized that his crops were producing more than his barns could hold, he decided to tear down his barns and build bigger. And when his crops was in, he said, I want to sit back and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And the Holy Spirit told him to this day, your soul will be required of you. There was a, a king who had brought out the golden cups and the golden vessels that were sacrificed, or not sacrificed, excuse me, sanctified for the, God's purpose for his temple. And they had raided the temple. And, well, his dad did. Belshazzar. Dad was Nebuchadnezzar. And he brought these out in a feast and he was toasting his gods with them. And a hand appeared across from the way and wrote on the wall. And what he wrote on the wall was interpreted, I have weighed your soul in the balance and you are found wanting. He was a, he was a king. He was a rich man. The haves and the have-nots, do you have Christ? Not do you have $100,000 in the bank. Do you drive a Jaguar, a Rolls-Royce, Bugatti? It does not matter. A McLaren, it does not matter. Do you have God? I've got some really great friends that are Christians that are very wealthy. I've got some really great friends that are in my boat, if you will. Not so wealthy making it, but not so wealthy. And I've got some friends that are definitely not even there. They are struggling on a daily basis, but they know God. And they know that no matter what happens to them here, it's all going to get better in the end when we go there. And we, and you go, well, that, that's a cop-out. That's, that's crazy. Why can't the Christians have it good here and the bad people not. You know? Let's look at that for just a second. The people that do not know Christ. This earth, everything that's going on in it, everything that's been going on in it, this earth is the closest thing to heaven that a sinner or a non-Christian will ever get to. Now, with everything that's going on in this earth, every crazy thing, all of the bad stuff, all the good stuff, everything, for a Christian, this earth is the closest thing will come to hell. See, Christ told us, in this world, ye shall suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. He didn't tell us it's going to be easy. He didn't tell us it was going to be, you know, we was going to be rich and famous. He told us we would be persecuted. He told us we would be troubled. But he also told us to look unto him, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. There is not a situation that you face that is not covered in the scriptures. There's not a situation that you face that is not covered or cannot be covered by the blood of Christ. Nothing. You've not went too far. 
you're not too bad that you're not too good. We all need Jesus. How do you find him? Well, Christ is exactly where he's always been since he ascended to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of his heavenly Father, making intercession for you and I. So he's not lost. In Tennessee, and as a kid growing up, there used to be a commercial, and I believe it was Seventh-day Adventist. I could be wrong on that, but it was always, I found him, I found him, I found him, I found him. And at the very end, it was, I found Jesus. Well, Jesus wasn't lost. We are. We need a map. We need a GPS. We need directions. And we've got that. It's called the Holy Bible. It's called the Holy Bible. What you do is you confess your sins to Him, to Jesus. You repent, truly repent. Not just saying you're sorry because you got in trouble or you got caught, but truly, truly be sorry. Remorseful. You know, oftentimes when you go to a parole board, one of the things that they look for is, does this convict, does this criminal, does this inmate of this prison system, are they showing remorse? And if they are showing, if that prisoner, that inmate, that criminal, that convict, whatever you want to call them, if they are showing remorse, it weighs favorably towards them being released earlier on parole. Christ is looking to see if you have remorse for your sins. If you truly are remorseful, if you're truly sorry and you confess those sins to him and ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive you. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And whoever opens this door, I will come in and I will eat dinner with you. I will sup with you. I will break bread with you. I will commune with you. I will have a relationship with you. See, this is not about religion. This is about a relationship. A relationship between you and your Heavenly Father and your elder brother, Jesus. You didn't find this podcast by accident. It was not by just, oh, I'm just going to get out there and look on one of these platforms and, hey, look, this bald-headed guy looks like he's interesting, so I'll listen to him. No, that does not work that way. You was drawn to this podcast for a reason. Now, you may be drawn to this podcast the very moment that I publish it. You may be drawn to this podcast a week from now, a year from now, 20 years from now, however long this is going to last out there. It's not by coincidence. So I encourage you, search your heart. You know where you have been. And you should know where you're going. If you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to where this rich man went. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. That's where you're going. That's your home. But if you have accepted Christ, you can be in heaven where there is no flame, where there is no pain, 
where there's no sorrow, there's no sickness, there's no tears of sadness. None of that happens. It's up to you. It is up to you. He said, if, if you can send him up to my brothers, because I don't want my brothers to come here. And if you've listened to my podcast, you'll know that this is from um, one of the podcasts that I've done in the past was the message from hell, and these are the same scriptures. But I'm looking at the haves and the have-nots. It's not about money. It's not about wealth. It's not about anything. But do you have Jesus or not? That's the important thing. Confess your sins to God. For, get re- forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Be truthful and sincere about it. And meet me in heaven. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord. We ask that you'll stretch forth your hand, Lord, that those that are listening, God, that you'll move on them, Lord, and that you'll touch them in a mighty and a special way, Lord, that your spirit will draw them. Lord, not to my voice and definitely not to me, but to you, God, to you. Lord, I ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord. And Lord, if there is anyone there, anyone that's listening, God, and and does not know how, Lord, to accept you. Lord, have them to draw them and, and, and open up their spirit and teach them, Lord, how to come to you. And Lord, have them to repeat this prayer or something like this prayer, Lord. God, I ask for your forgiveness. I know that I'm a sinner And Lord, I ask for for your forgiveness for my sins. And Lord, I want you to come in. I want you to come in the door that I am opening to my heart. I want you to come in and I want you to have a relationship with me, Lord. Lord, and I ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name I pray. Amen. Guys, that's what it's all about. If you have said that prayer or if you've said a similar prayer, See, we all talk about the sinner's prayer, but there is no such thing in the scriptures. There's no magic words, and there's no words written down. It just says, confess your sins, ask for forgiveness. That's all. It's a pretty simple method. We don't have to crawl on our hands and knees. We don't have to walk through fire. We don't have to crawl on glass. We don't have to make any long journeys wherever you're at. Even if you're in a car. Now, if you're in a car, please don't close your eyes and pray but if you're in a car you can accept the Lord right there it's all about having Jesus now your life is not going to be easy you're going to get sick you're going to have bad times but you keep Jesus in your heart and you get to go to heaven and that's the ultimate goal walking through the pearly gates guys until we talk next week take care of each other